You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Get ready, because, you know, Christmas songs, they're already being played in Costco and Walmart. I don't know if you knew that. Let earth receive, let every, oh, prepare him room. Make, make room for the Lord. And the reason is, whenever someone is coming, and possibly you had guests for Thanksgiving. Anybody have anybody come to your place for Thanksgiving? Anybody? Five people. Good. That means you were the guest somewhere else, right? Well, if you went somewhere else, let me tell you what happened before you got there. Uh, someone cleaned the bathroom. Someone vacuumed. Someone put the turkey in or the tamales or whatever it was, the ham. Uh, somebody grilled the burgers, whatever it was. Uh, this week, we're doing preparation, actually for the last four weeks, preparation for Tommy Walker and the team that's coming this week. They're going to be uh, here working on the music that they're going to present Thursday night. It's the Gospel of John Project. Tommy wrote a song for every one of the 21 chapters of the book of John. Uh, he's a brilliant songwriter, and he wanted, as a gift to this church, to present to the, the first time. There's Nobody else has heard these songs yet. For the first time, they're going to be presented right here. Uh, it's it's going to be really cool, and if you like the Gospel of John, we're going to have a portion of Scripture read and a song played, and it's going to be great. And, and uh, so see how I tie, I preach the announcements pretty good. But that's a gift. And there's preparation behind the scenes. The songs have to be written, and uh, they're going to be here for a couple of days, so we're going to feed them and take care of them, and, and then the doors will be open, and you'll come in, and you'll sit down, and, and the sound has been set, and the lights will be set, and there's preparation behind the arrival of, of anyone that would come, and there needs to be preparation, I believe, in our hearts with this season ahead we call Advent. Christmas is about becoming less, becoming less. Now, that seems like an odd thing to say, that we become less at Christmas when Black Friday, when people were fighting for parking spaces and trying to get, did anybody venture out? Come on, anybody, you went out? Good, good. Uh, people were camped out, you know, at Best Buy Tuesday night to be the first to, to get the flat screen TV, you know what I mean? And uh, I got to tell you this, I don't care how much uh, I enjoy watching TV, I'm not camping out from Tuesday night to Friday to to, to save some money, you know. By the way, uh, a couple of those items already are on eBay. They camped out, they got the items, and now they're selling them on, on eBay. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a return on your investment. And to pay for the time that they were there and, and uh, you know, all that stuff. And so, but, but in the backdrop of the craziness of all the retailers hoping that this black Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Cyber Monday will, will be a good one for them. I wanted you to, to turn to Philippians 2, and, and as you do, we're going to look at this first statement that Jesus became less so that we might become more in him. When, when the world says you need more and, and you got to have more, Jesus is saying, how about less? How about making room for me? How about making room for all that, you know, is, is really the Christmas story. Christ 
coming. Let every heart prepare him room. Now listen, I'm not a Scrooge. I love Christmas. We will decorate the church in the next few weeks. I, I will be driving the church van down the, the, the parade route Friday night with fake snow coming out of the back and a Christmas tree on the top. You know, I mean, I'm all into it. It's great. And I love watching Christmas through the eyes of the next generation. My kids and now my grandkids. I think it's great. And there's nothing, nothing I love more than seeing a little girl in some neighborhood with a little Barbie bike with the training wheels with the streamers out of the handle grips, come on, and, and she's got a pink helmet on. She doesn't need a helmet because she's only going half a mile an hour, and she's going from wheel to wheel on the training wheel. Come on. I just think that's cool. And dad's behind her, and mom's there with the inflatable thing in case she falls. And You know what I mean? I think it's cool. And then I love watching parents and grandparents run to the store because they forgot batteries. You know? Uh, there's a, a, a guy not too far from me. I mean, I used to watch him put things together, like bikes and, and, and little tykes, forts, and Barbie houses. The guy was the most unmechanical, non-engineering brain I ever met. And I just loved Christmas Eve after going to, the, to see the lights up on the hill after our Christmas Eve services here and, and listen to him mumble things that shouldn't be repeated in church as he's putting stuff together. But I love Christmas. Anybody else? Come on. You love it? Yeah. But Christmas is all about this. Would you write it down, number one, that Jesus became less for us. He became less for us. And I like to think about him being larger in our lives, more of Jesus, less of us. It was an old camp song when, uh, you know, I was a, a camper my first time, 14 years of age, and we sang this song. I I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of his great love, rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. I never forgot that. I want more of Jesus. Lord, I want more of you. And, and I think the question would be, where's there room in your life for him? Whether you've never received him as Lord and Savior and believed in him, you could do that today, the first day of Advent, you could say, Lord, I make room for you. I want you to be my Savior. And, and maybe you would just do a little introspection and say, where is it that, that he's been pushed out? Where has he become a tradition? Where has he become a religious figure in your life? Luke 2, and I feel like as I read this, Charlie Brown should come out or something, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby. I don't know why keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Wouldn't you have been? But the angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. Every time angels came, they said, don't be afraid. And I think right next to that should be in the scriptures, yeah, right. And I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy for all the people. This is the gift that's given to all that Jesus became less for us. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This describes the great condescension. When we think of the word condescending or condescension, we think of something negative. Don't be condescending. But, but the word literally refers to the fact that, that, that he came down he simply came down to be with someone, to condescend. God came down to be with us. God came down to become 
one of us. And if you've ever tried to, to teach a child something, you don't teach a kindergartner the same way you would teach a grad student. You might have the same truth, but you, you teach them differently. You, you condescend to their level. If you ever really want to speak to a kid, you just, just get down low or get on one knee and look in their eyes. It changes the dynamic of everything. When you talk with a child, you, you get down to their level. And the Lord comes in a, not a snobbish way, but he condescends to us. We find this in, in Psalm 18.35 that you have given me a shield of your salvation and your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness and condescension have made me great. That God stoops down to make us great. Think about that. We couldn't have gotten saved on our own. We would have never had an access to, to the Father. No one would have ever heard our prayers. Just think about this. That Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And you can pray in my name. Here, you use my, my, my name like a key in a lock. And every time you turn it, it opens up heaven. And, and heaven begins to hear you. And, and then the Holy Spirit, that Jesus says, that I, I bring to you. That he will reveal the Father to you. And he will also reveal myself to you. And all that you've learned of me, he will bring to remembrance in you. This is the God who has become less so that we can become great. And in Philippians 2, verse 6, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, being in very nature God. The very essence of Jesus is God. And what you need to understand is that we call it December 25th, the birth of Christ. Not sure of the exact date. But we know that there was a marked time where Jesus was born in Bethlehem but it wasn't the beginning of the existence of Jesus. And there's lots of Christians confused about this. Actually, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, that that Word, referring to Jesus, became flesh and lived among us. The Message Bible says that he, he set his tent up in our neighborhood, and he came and lived with us. He tabernacled with us, as other versions say. And then in verse 7 of Philippians 2, he made himself nothing. Now, just think about it. This is, this, is, this is Jesus at the right hand of God. He's in heaven. He's being worshiped. He's being glorified. He was there in, in Genesis 1, in the beginning. God created. He was there in creation. Nothing was created without him. And he leaves his heavenly throne to come to this earth. That is Christmas. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It would be like you becoming a slug and dying for all the slugs. And Lewis goes on to say, actually, that's a bad analogy. Because it's deeper than that. Because you're human and he's divine. But think about it, next time you see an ant hill, those little red ants crawling around, those little black ants that find their way into your kitchen when you don't want them there, it'd be like you saying, oh, my heart breaks for those little black ants. I know what I'll do. I'll become an ant. And I'll go down and reveal God to them. And then one day, I will 
climb up on a stick and be sprayed with raid <laughs> and die for ants everywhere. One nation under ants. Now, that's, that's absurd. That's some of the worst preaching I've ever heard. But it's true. God leaves his throne in glory to make himself nothing. It's a bigger drop from God to man than it is from you to ant or you to slug. Jesus stooped down to save us. Jesus stooped down when the woman was being caught in adultery. Jesus stoops down whenever we call his name. Jesus stoops down. He condescends the positive side of that. You and to me, to marriages, to relationships, to singleness, to being alone, to the widows and widowers. He condescends in a proper way to be where we are. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became what? He became poor. So that through his poverty, you might become rich. And somebody says, hallelujah, big screen TV right there. <laughs> Brand new computer right there. Lord, I claim that verse, I need a new car. And that would be pretty shallow. Because what that verse says, we were in poverty in our spirits. We were poor. The word poor means I don't have it and I can't get it. We are hungry and there is no food line. Someone said the check is in the mail and we went to the mail and there was no check. That's what, that's what poverty is in spiritual terms. And the Lord comes to us while we're bankrupt, while we are sinners caught in our sin, while, while we have this, this, this prognosis of eternal damnation. And all of a sudden the Lord makes us rich, rich that we know him. Rich that we can pray in his name. Rich that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Rich that we have the scriptures that aren't just words on a page, but they're life-transforming words that we've been given. In the Philippines, in Manila, there is an incredible dump where people live. And uh, we became aware of this uh, dump many years ago as we began to support missions work in the Philippines. And then later, through our friend Tommy Walker, when he actually began to, uh, to fund and support a school called Breakthrough. That's one of his songs, Breakthrough. And so the orphanage and uh, the church and the school was created just outside of this area. And early in the morning, the parents come and they uh, have their kids go out and scavenge for food in the dump. And uh, Paul, you can just go ahead and show some other pictures. They, they make homes out of things that most people discard. And uh, I'm so glad that, that we're a part of funding uh, through our giving. We're a part of, of funding a school there, an orphanage and a church that has trained and educated young people who've gone on to universities, who become doctors and teachers, and come back to this area and serve those that they grew up around. I just think it's fascinating. But the fascinating part of the story is not that we send money and that we pray. The fascinating part of this story is that 
there are missionaries who have left the United States of America and live down the street from that picture. They live down the street on the left and on the right. And they decided to go and live amongst those they do ministry with. There, there's no internet. There's no Habit or Chipotle. There's no Eddie's Grill. And there's no Thanksgiving dinner. But when God comes to our earth, it's a bigger jump than Lompoc to Manila. It's, it's a bigger jump than Lompoc to the dump. It's, it's the throne of grace and mercy where there's no decay or disease. And all there is is worship, and Jesus decides that he would come. And I got to tell you this. As we go into Advent, I, I put this in my notes it's a mind bender for me. It's like one of those puzzles that I can't figure out. Why Jesus decided to come as a baby? Why not a teenager? Huh? By the way, if I was coming to earth, I would come during the halftime show of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Big viewing audience. I'd be playing that song, that famous hem of the church, here I come to save the day. <laughs> Pastor B is on the way. Well, come on. And Jesus comes and he condescends to the lowest form, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He emptied himself fully. Someone asked me recently why I have served the Lord since I was 14. And, and my answer is, because of Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How could you not serve a servant who would leave glory, who would leave heaven's throne and come to this earth in the form of you and me? God in the bod. <laughs> All right, that's not good. Eight o'clock didn't like it much either, so... But he emptied himself, verse 7, Philippians 2, and he took on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of us. He came to the slugs. He came for the ants. Come on. And the word slave, many of you know, is the word doulos. It means to live for the benefit of others. To live to serve others. And just think about the life of Jesus, to, to live to serve others. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on what? On the cross. And this is very important that, that Paul would emphasize not just death, but even death on the cross, because you know this, the cross was the lowest form of death. This is not a martyr's death. This is not a, a purple heart hero's kind of death. This is not some you know, war movie that you go see and it just moves you to tears. This is the lowest form of death, the lowest form. It's an agonizing death. You know, without me going into the, 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 the steps of the cross, how horrible it was. This is Jesus saying yes to God when he obeyed the Father's call and going all the way to the form of a servant who would die on a cross. Here, here's the downward steps. This is, this is from God to man stooping down. And he still stoops. This is from man to servant. It, it's serving others. I exist for the benefit of others. That's what Jesus says. 
I've come to this earth for the benefit of others, that there would be joy to the world as the world receives me. And here's, here's a quick question before we, we go any deeper. Where has he been pushed out in, in your life? This is the season to, to contemplate these kinds of questions. Where, where has, has he become tradition or religion? Where has he become just the casual friend and not your king and, and not your Lord? And, and I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I just want you to process this because that, that's what I'm doing. Before I wrote this sermon uh, this, this week, I've been thinking about this and, and praying about this. And, you know, on Thanksgiving Day, I... I, I, I sat and I was reading these notes and I just thought, Lord, where in my life? I can't preach this without asking you these questions. Where in my, my life has I, have I pushed you out? Where have I become a, a spiritual hoarder in a sense and brought too many things into my life that aren't you, that aren't about you, that aren't your truth? Where have I convoluted theology where there's sometimes I wonder if, if you're mad at me instead of for me? Or whether, whether I, I play tapes of my past and I go, ah, oh, God, I don't know if you're big enough or great enough to take care of that in my life. Or a relationship that's gone so bad, that's gone so south that you wonder if God could ever reconcile or redeem it. And then we recognize that God does the impossible and he comes to serve us. And not only does he serve, he goes from the being a servant to the cross, which is a humbling obedience if ever Jesus has proved his love for us, if ever he has proved that he's worthy of our lives, just follow the narrative of how he takes these downward steps and it'll cause you to rise in your faith again. And number two, the example of Jesus is for us to become less for others. And it may sound odd, but in response to preparing him room, notice what it says, he emptied himself. And here's a question, a challenge. Where, where do you need to empty yourself? Where, where do you need to empty yourself of yourself? That's pretty good. Where do you need to empty yourself of yourself? You know what usually gets us in trouble? Ourselves. <laughs> we have seen the enemy. It's us. Come on. Where have we, 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 we gotten so full of ourselves that we're not able to empty ourselves and we can't empty ourselves that he can't fill us? Dying to self is not very popular. But I love the, the, the words of, of Pastor Rick Warren in Purpose Driven Life. It, it starts this way. He says, it's not all about you. That's how the book starts. It's the best-selling book next to the Bible of all time. It's the most read book of all time next to the Bible. Think about it. And how does it start? It's not about you. I want another book that tells me it's about me. I mean, we have enough narcissistic theology out there drive us nuts. You know, look in the mirror. You're an awesome creature. Look how God made you. Now go tell yourself, I'm an awesome creature 90 times today, and you'll have a better day. <laughs> and then you read something like this. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you're placed on this planet, you must begin where? With God. Who had this incredible plan that his son Jesus would come for you. 
You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. It's not just that we live and breathe and take up space and make money and pay taxes and die. There's, there's more to this life than that. It's not just that we're, we're, we're saved and so someday when we die, we go see Jesus. But, but you want to talk about living your best life and being the best version of yourself? It's when Christ is most in you, when he's real in you, when he's taking up residence in your heart. When we love and serve others and lower ourselves, that makes room for Jesus. When you want to prepare room for Jesus, you start giving yourself away. If you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. And every time you serve and, and every time you're generous and, and every time you connect what you do back to a soul and you give and you share and, and you benefit other people, you know what happens? You make room for Jesus because now you really need him. Every once in a while, I put myself in situations and circumstances where I am way in over my head on purpose. And some of you go, really? Who'd want to subject themselves to such torture? Because that's when you rely on God. When, when you're standing on the edge, <laughs> whoa, and you're about to lose balance, and that's when you can say, okay, Lord, if you, if you don't come through, I'm going off the edge here. And it comes through by his spirit to help you serve other people, to help you live out your God-given dream. See, in your relationship, Philippians 2.5, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He starts that way. Christ became nothing. Christ became a servant, living for the benefit of others. And he says in verse 5, so in your relationships, how you relate to one another, prepare him room by having the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who didn't argue, but who was willing to decrease for our gain. When we decrease, he can increase. When we give ourselves away, we make room for Jesus. When we give up to our flesh and our desires and our, our evil, he fills us then with his Holy Spirit. And number three, we must make room for Jesus. We must make room for Jesus. Now, we, we, we saw a little video clip that was no room in the inn, even though the innkeeper's mom said, make room for people that God sends your way. I, I love the little story about, about Wally Perling. I don't know if you ever heard it before. But Wally Perling was nine years old. He was kept back a grade because he was a little bit slow. He was a big boy. Just a little slow, a little clumsy. Wally knocked things over. He was always the last pick for, for sports squads. And Wally was liked by all the kids in his class, and Wally always supported the underdog. Well, it was a Christmas pageant was coming around, and Miss Hubbard was, was picking the students for the different roles, and Wally thought, maybe I'll be a shepherd and have a flute and lead the sheep out on the stage. And she thought for a moment, Miss Hubbard did, and she thought maybe Wally would be best suited as the innkeeper. Only has a couple lines, you know, no room, be gone, see you later. He's kind of big, gruff. So the story goes that that very night, the pageant, the lights were on, and the, the auditorium was filled, and, and Wally Perling was the innkeeper. He was so excited off stage that, that the teacher had to keep holding him back because he wanted to walk out even when it wasn't his time. And here comes Mary and Joseph. They bang on the door. Wally opens the door. What do you want? 
My, 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 my wife is great with child, and she's about to give birth. Is there any room? No, I'm filled. I'm filled for the night. Be gone with you. Be gone. While he closed the door, Joseph knocks again. While he opens the door, aggressively this time, what do you want? <laughs> he looks at Mrs. Hubbard. Oh, I'm doing good, huh? <laughs> what do you want? We need a room. We need a room. We've traveled afar. We need a room. <laughs> he said, be gone. Be gone. And as Mary and Joseph walked off stage, Wally came out. Miss Hubbard said, Wally, shut the door. Wally didn't shut the door. Wally, turn around and come back. Wally didn't turn around to come back. Wally yelled out at the top of his lungs, Mary and Joseph, you can have my room. <laughs> and they thought that the pageant was ruined. I mean, come on. Miss Hubbard got up at the end and said, have you made room for Jesus? Have you prepared your heart for him? Oh, Wally was beaming from ear to ear. Beaming. Because something grabbed his heart, even that he would go off script. See, Jesus comes where he's welcome. And when Jesus comes in, everything changes. He comes where he's welcomed. That's, that's why I, as a pastor, say, oh, Lord, you're welcome here. I don't want him have to have to go down the street to another church and say, well, I got to go here because Foursquare won't welcome me. Oh, I want to welcome him. I don't want God to go to another marriage and say, that's where I'll send Jesus because he's welcomed down the street. I want him welcomed in my house in my living room, in my kitchen, in my bedroom, in my office, in my garage, when I'm putting things together and mumbling. <laughs> I want him with you this season. And those watching online, and those drinking a latte in our cafe. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 says, and I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In your folder is a little sheet this color that says, be born in me. And before we close in prayer, I wanted to sing this song to you, but I would ruin it. So I found a video where the song is sung. The words are here on this sheet. This is my prayer for you and for me, that Christ would be born in us, that our hearts would be a Bethlehem, we would say, Lord, I have a vacancy for you. How about we make ourselves vacant 
for the Lord to fill us this season. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.